0: That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said.
1: Welcome to That's What She Said conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. This edition of That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, this week's guest is Layla Ali, and I really enjoyed talking to her about growing up under the uh, shadow of her famous father, Muhammad Ali, all of the many twists and turns her career has taken from her late start into boxing. I had no idea uh, that she was not an athlete growing up, but became one as soon as she was able to see that women's boxing existed, and then, of course, became an undefeated champ. And what she's done since, uh, especially to scratch that competitive itch. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Layla Ali. That's what she said. So happy to welcome in this week's guest, retired boxing world champ, healthy cooking enthusiast, lifestyle maven, best-selling author, TV host, and Dancing with the Stars alum, Layla Ali. Thanks so much for making time, Layla. Um, We don't have a ton of time, but there's so much to get to. And I love to start on my podcast from the very beginning back when you were just a kid. So what's it like mm-hmm. being a kid growing up with such a larger-than-life father as Muhammad Ali?
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Well, you know, people ask me that question all the time, but I don't really know any other life, you know. Right. Um, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. But I would say that, um, you know, obviously you're, you're living a public life with your father. My, my dad loves people, um, so he always embraced having them around. He embraced his fans. He loved just pulling over on the side of the road and doing magic tricks and signing (laughs) autographs for, for, you know, hours. So there was always something going on, but he was such an amazing um, role model for me as, as my father. Um, So I wouldn't switch my upbringing with anyone else's of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny to imagine the balance of, like you said, being willing to stop and, and sign for fans and meet people and spend that time with them. And then the incredible discipline that must have been necessary to be the best at what he did. Did that balance affect you in, in any ways or did, that, did you take lessons from being able to have both of those? Because some people are extremely regimented to the point that they wouldn't spend that time with fans because everything would need yeah, to be you,
0: controlled. yeah. You know, my dad really um, set the precedents for me and how you're supposed to treat others and to be kind um, and giving back in all the ways that he did. So um, it really shaped who I am as a person and just my outlook on life and, and what having good character is really all about. Um, you know, the fans, people have to remember what, what made you successful, who came to support you. So, you know, you have to really take time for them. Now, there's going to always be times when you just can't stop and spend as much time as they want. But there's a, there's a nice way to, to, um, respond to people, you know, and some people, um, just forget, I think a lot of the time,
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um you wrote in your book about fighting through some tough times though when you were a kid, including some time in juvenile detention and jail. What changed most about you by going through those experiences?
0: It's so funny, jail always sounds so harsh, but yeah, that's really what it was. <laughs> I mean, for juveniles. Um I had went through a really turbulent time in my life as a teen. Thank God I got all of that out. Um when I was young, because I was always a fighter. Um and you know, I always kind of had this really strong personality and just got myself into trouble, but I learned my lesson and, you know, it really refocused me in saying, you know what, of course you never want to ever have your freedom taken away and you don't ever want to let things get out of the control to the extent in which you have to go to a juvenile detention center. But yeah, I did write about it in my book because again, you know, your experiences in life is what makes you who you are. Um, so but yeah that that was something that like i said um was it wasn't fun, so yeah, what
1: was it about growing up or or you said you were always a fighter? Why do you think you needed that kind of harsh reality to to set you straight? What was it that was why were you going off the path before then?
0: I think that you know for me um Obviously, I always wanted to be my own person. I never wanted to just be Muhammad Ali's daughter. And I tended to gravitate towards um, people that were very different from me, so weren't as privileged. But sometimes I went too far to the left and got myself okay. into trouble that way just by hanging around the wrong crowd, having the wrong influence um, around me. Um, that, along with me being just a rebel, just kind of was my way of acting out just as as a young kid, you know. Um, so... Yeah for me, like I said, it really taught me early on, you know, to have my boundaries and what was and what wasn't okay. And, you know, I just had to learn the hard way. It's just, you know, but I mean like again, it's equipped me with skills for the rest of my life and just how to deal with situations and deal with my kids. Yeah, I
1: bet. Yeah, no kidding. Meaning so um, they don't mean so want- they don't
0: that could that, could, that could mean so many things. Meaning right. deal with them in ways that they won't they won't end up going down the same path that I have.
1: Right. But I'm, I mean, yeah, there, there's there's so much that you, of course, um, want to instill in your kids, but also what you want to help them avoid if you if you had your own uh, pitfalls. Um, what did you want to be when you were a kid? What were you in? Were you into sports from a very young age? What did you
0: think you were going to grow up and be? You know, it's interesting because I surprisingly for most people did not participate in sports growing up. When I mentioned all the things I was doing, you know, sports, anybody who knows takes a tremendous amount of discipline takes focus, it takes support from your parents in terms of taking you to practice, coming to your games, doing all those things. I was too busy trying to be grown and, you know, being, being on that wrong path I told you about to really dedicate myself in that way, which is a regret. Um, but um, what was the question, actually? I just forgot. What was the question? I, yeah, you just, just asked basically, like, what
1: did you think you wanted to be if you weren't super oh, you know, right, dedicated right, right, to sports right, right, okay. when you grew up?
0: Yeah, Right. So what I was saying is is that I wasn't um, into sports, but I always wanted to be an entrepreneur because one thing I knew about myself was that I wanted to be in control of my own life and my own business. So I started, I I actually went to school for um, manicuring while I was in high school, took the bus after school, you know, to to my next school of cosmetology. And then by the time I was 18, I had my own business. I had a nail salon. So that was, at the time, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to expand this business all over the world. And then I saw women's boxing on television for the first time when I was about 17. Wasn't aware that it was even a sport. As soon as I saw it, I wanted to do it. And I became really excited about it. But then, of course, the next day, you know, this kind of the doubt and the fear set in. Like, I'm not an athlete. I'm never participating in sports. Will I be able to do it? I thought about all the amount of tension there would be. Attention. That would be on me and the pressure and, you know, just uh, obviously my family's, my dad's legacy and coming behind him and just what that would mean and would I be able to deal with it. It took me about a year of contemplation. And then I decided to go for it and go with, uh, you know, because I had talked myself out of it. But then I decided to just go for it and follow my heart. And that's how I got into boxing.
1: Yeah, we talk so much at ESPNW and, and especially in women's sports world about representation if you can see it you can be it and the importance of being able to see women doing the things that we might dream of doing as much as that is so true in so many instances i'm sort of surprised that growing up in a in a boxing household um that somehow you wouldn't have been the one to say it doesn't matter if i don't see any women doing this i want to do it anyway is that partly because i read that your dad wasn't super psyched yeah
0: Yeah, the thing is is that i could see why you would say that but I did not, it wasn't like I wanted to box and I was like, Oh, I can't box cause I'm a girl. I didn't even want to box right. because I didn't see it as an option for me. And that's the way it is with a lot of things. Sometimes you just see things and you're introduced to something for the very first time. And it's either going to spark your interest or it's not, you know? So for me, when I first saw it, that's when I said, wow, I didn't know that was even available to me. And it's like, yeah, I can do it. I never thought to myself, I can't do it or Do I want to do it because, you know, I'm a girl? You know, that was not... That year of contemplation I talked about was not really regarding my gender. It was more so just being Muhammad Ali's daughter. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Coming behind him was not going to be easy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Actually, there were so few women doing sports casting when I was growing up that it just never occurred to me. It's not that I didn't think I could do it. It just didn't occur to me until I got older. Um, So you decide to... Yeah, you decide to transition into boxing and, of course, a lot of pressure to live up to your father's name. And also, um, he wasn't really into the idea of you being a boxer, right?
0: No, 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 he wasn't. He definitely was not, um, you know, thrilled (laughs) because he, unlike me, didn't think that women's boxing was something that, um, you know, I should be doing because he didn't think it was a, a, a woman's sport. Uh, so he definitely tried to talk me out of it indirectly, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't hearing it.
1: (laughs) Did you eventually earn his, not just respect or or praise for what you did, but the blessing to continue boxing?
0: Definitely. He supported me. He didn't want me to do it, but he knew that obviously being his daughter, he wanted to support me in that way. Um, regardless of the fact he wasn't thrilled I was doing it, but he came to my fights um you know he was he was at most of them he couldn't always be there because he was sick with parkinsons and it just took a lot for him to travel and come to the fights but um you know he i remember after i won my uh first championship title he came in my dressing room and apologized to me apologized yeah. to me for that time we had a conversation and he told me boxing wasn't really for women you know it, it was too hard it was too tough And I understood that I understood that that was his fear of his baby girl, his youngest out of nine, you know, kids (laughs) coming (laughs) to him and wanting to box. Um, So I knew I never took it personal to begin with, but um, you know, it was really heartwarming for him to, you know, let me know that he was wrong and that uh, women could box. I could box. And that was big. I was like, great. I won him over, you know, not just for me, but just for women in general, like, you know, to, to, um, you know, kind of kill that stereotype that we can't do certain things just because we're a woman.
1: Absolutely. So what age were you when you fought your first fight?
0: I was 20. I just turned 20 years old. So I'm
1: curious because most people establish their own identity as an athlete or not an athlete by the age of 20. So for you, not only did you not see yourself that way and had you not dedicated yourself to that but you were trying to be an athlete in a brutal sport where the downside of being bad is that you're knocked out, right? You're
0: not just losing, mm-hmm, you're right, knocked of, out. Of right. And, and or the pressure. Or, or beat up. Or just or beat, beat up. up is, right, right. Yeah, that could be worse.
1: <laughs> or, or, um, and, and the pressure of your dad. So what was the hardest part about the beginning of training? Because that can be grueling enough on its own, just the training.
0: Well, it was definitely tough. I mean, and like you said, boxing is one of the toughest sports there is. Yeah. Um, But because you you really actually get beat up, you know, um, especially if you're not good, like you said at it. But you're going to get a certain amount of of a beating regardless of whether you're good or not, because the hard fights happen in the gym, the training day to day, training with people who are better than you, stronger than you. I mean, at least I did. That's what made me better. Um, So I would say just the fact that I wasn't an athlete, um, you know, I was probably about 30 pounds overweight, you know, and when I say overweight, you, you, you everyone has that ideal weight that they should be that's best for their build, for their body type, where they can function and be the fastest at their best. So I needed to lose 30 pounds to be in the right weight class. It would be most beneficial for me where I'd be at my strongest. So that alone, just that year of training and running, learning how to run, you know, learning everything that I had to learn in order to be an elite athlete, learning how to eat properly, learning how to get the rest that I needed, the mental focus that it takes, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just tough all the way around. But my love for the sport and my desire to be the best really took away from how hard the actual work was because I enjoy doing it. And that's a feeling that I'm always chasing now. What can I do that I actually love to do that I can be good at that doesn't feel like work? And that's part part of kind of what I've taken and applied to every other area of my life and what I'm doing now and why I feel I've been able to be successful at it. That's why I'm such an advocate for... Um, kids, you know, playing sports because you learn so much about life and discipline and character and all those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of Mike Tyson's famous quotes is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) Of course, of course, the goal of boxing is not to get punched in the face. But you know that that's a part of it. And so much of that sport, I think, is being a person who is willing to get punched in the face. So as much as you love it, as much as you've watched your dad, as much as you're excited to try something new. How far into the process of learning to be a boxer did it take for you to say, I am a kind of person who's willing to get punched in the
0: face? Well, I knew that going in. Like I said, <laughs> I'm a, I've always been a fighter. But I would say that, you know, I've seen so many people come in the gym, uh, you know, at my time in the gym and say, I want to box. You know, and we're all like, okay, you know, these are just people who have no <laughs> training. And it's like that first time they get in the ring and you watch them spar, that's when you find out whether you really have it or not, because you're going to get hit in the face. And it's like you're either going to instinctively want to turn your back and and like get out of the ring or you're going to get mad and want to fight back. You know, even if you end up getting beat up because you're in there with someone who you can't actually beat or you can't dominate, you know, you're just going you're going to try, you know, so you can just see if the person has the heart to be a fighter or not. So I knew that going in already just from my own personal experience, Um, but also just was able to display it in the ring. Cause you know, you will, you will get hit in the face. Like that is definitely the, the goal. And especially in training. Cause like I said, that's where the, the the beating really happens in the gym, you know, and then you're preparing you for the fight. So <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't lost any fights in, in the professional ring, but I've lost some fights in the gym because I'm training like <laughs> with the guys that are bigger, stronger, you know, world champion athletes that, you know, are going to dominate me in the ring. So
1: so you mentioned, as an you know, being an athlete and coming you know out, out of retirement to uh, find other things to do in life. You wanted to replace the thrill of something that you love doing, but also, as an athlete specifically, it's hard to replicate the adrenaline of competition. How tough has it been for you after retirement to find a replacement for that part of boxing?
0: Well, man, you you speak to a lot of athletes, I'm sure, and you know yeah. that when athletes when we retire from what we love. That's the thing. It's really hard, and sometimes you go through this depression, right, and this soul-searching to figure out what now can I do? Because a lot of times we, we retire young, right? When most people are just starting their careers and getting to the height of their careers, you know, we're like in our late 20s and 30s a lot of times retiring. So for me, you know, it took me about five years, um, and actually I went on Dancing with the Stars as an opportunity to use that platform to show a different side of myself. So that was like one step. Um, cause I remember when I first got the call from the show, I was like, I'm not doing that. You know, I I don't, that, that scared me, you know, to, to dance live. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to do it because it's a challenge. It's going to push me out of my comfort zone. And most importantly, it's going to give me a platform to show another side of myself because I have fought so long to be respected as a fighter and seen as a fighter, you know, you see me on TV, I'm talking about fighting. I'm talking about knocking somebody out. I got my hair fridge braided. That's a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. So for me, dance with the stars was great. And then I did it. And then I went on from there to hosting on television, you know, now to, you know, cooking competitions, to doing my cookbook kind of during that process, figuring out like, what is it that I absolutely, absolutely love doing that I would do for free, you know, that I'm just passionate about. And that's when I came to the conclusion that it was health and wellness and encouraging others to be their best self. I had to figure it out. I didn't just wake up and be in shape and wake up with everything it took to become a world champion. I had my eye on a goal. I made a decision. And I did the hard work that it took to get there. And I learned a lot along the way about nutrition and about being well holistically. And then of course, everything I've learned over the years, I've been able to really marry that into a business for myself that I'm also just as passionate about, you know, so that's really, you know, the process that I went through. And I see so many people, so many other athletes go through it as well.
1: Hey, everybody, don't forget to go to ESPN and Apple podcasts and subscribe to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. So you always have the latest episode. Don't forget to rate and review it as well and tell all your friends how awesome it is. I want to get to what you're doing now, but but back to Dancing with the Stars quickly. You know, you're a competitor, you're very confident, you're athletic, and athletes tend to do very well on that show. What was it specifically about the show that made you
0: hesitant to accept the opportunity? (laughs) I was hesitant because this was back when I think I was on like season five or something. Um, So many years, I mean, my son's 10 now, I didn't even have uh, kids back then, but um, it was you know, dressing up in ball gowns and heels, dancing with a partner, <laughs> for one. You know, I'm used to just going in the ring and it all being on me. Like, I know I'm going to win this fight. I don't have to depend on anybody else. And I like that feeling. You know, I am I like the feeling of that individual sport, right? So right. having to partner with someone and then to dance live, right? He's just, he's just everyone I think I know I did. I had this vision of, like, what happens if you mess up or you fall and it's live, you know? So, um, but I got my mind, right. And I said, you know what, this is not something, it's not like a fight where it's all in my hands. You know, I have to depend on the audience. I have to depend on the judges. So my heart wasn't in it to the extent of, of course, I didn't say that when I was on the show, like if I wanted to win, but if I didn't win, it wasn't going to break my heart. Like it would, if I was in boxing, but I did have a goal of making it to the last show, getting all of that airtime. you know, to be there. And I was like, I made it to the finals and I felt like I won because You know, I was able to to get out of it exactly what I wanted out of it. So it was life-changing for me, Dancing with the Stars was, in terms of, you know, the platform that it gave me. So, And, you know, if you use it correctly and, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to, it was just a great opportunity for me.
1: Absolutely, you talked about you know health and wellness and 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 all that stuff. And you know, there's something, of course, to be gained from someone who was always on the right track, was always into sports and wellness and everything else. But I imagine when you're speaking to kids or to even people in their 20s, your story of not really embracing athleticism until you were 20 and kind of the struggles that you went to when when you were younger probably is is more impactful in terms of of telling oh. people it's never too late to start.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, I part of what I do now, a big part of what I do is speaking. You know, I speak all over the, the country and, um, you know, there's just so many different directions I can go on the topic depending on the audience. And, you know, I've talked, to, I've spoken to human resources companies to talk about reinventing yourself because people see me as someone who's been able to do it so many times in terms of being successful in different areas. A lot of people look at me now and don't even see me as a boxer, don't remember that I was a boxer, don't know me from boxing, you know what I mean, but are just as big as fans now. So that there's something to be said for that. And for me, you know, it really just goes back to the work that I put in and being confident and just kind of all of the, the the, you know, ingredients that have made it successful. So I'm able to speak about that. But when time I can talk to – Kids, or talk to people who are unsure or unconfident or let their past define them, things that you don't really talk about out loud, but just think to yourself. Um, I love to share that story because, you know, people would never guess that I've been through some of the things that I've been through, and I wrote about them in my book. I mean, you know, all the things that really led to me ending up you know, in in juvenile hall, for example, as a kid. So I'm not embarrassed about that. Like I was a kid, you know, at the time. So um, I'm I'm happy to be able to share some of my experiences um, just to show people that, you know, no matter what happens in life, you know, you can still land on your feet and be successful.
1: Yeah, tell me about the What's Next contest because it seems to me like that kind of embraces that idea.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what I I love about being a part of it. Um, So it's actually What's Next Sweepstakes. And it really offers the fans an opportunity um, to enter to win a chance to get a trip to L.A. with a guest and attend a live taping of Dancing with the Stars in spring 2019. Um, They can go to winwhatsnext.com and are able to enter up until November 25th, just before midnight, and then the winner is going to be notified shortly after. So the show is, like, obviously so successful, millions of people watch it, it's been on for many years. And people are like diehard fans of the show. So I think it's a great opportunity to see the show that you love, but I really love the message behind it. You know, what's next. Um, and, you know, I have, it's all unfolded for me. I mean, I started, like I said, I retired from boxing. I went on dance with the stars. That's when the general public got the first chance to kind of see me. Um, and they thought it was so cool. like, Oh my God, she's a boxer. Wow. But they're not, I'm not like stereotypical vision of what you would consider a boxer. And then to see, just the evolution into all the other things that I've done, you know, TV hosting, you know, health and wellness, being a mom and being able to do it all um, and still always keep that core of who I am. So I I love it because there's always something next, you know, whether you're retiring, whether you're getting older, whether you're becoming a parent, changing careers and just embracing that, embracing the future and going into it with a positive attitude. So I love the whole idea behind the sweet sticks.
1: You've definitely been successful in a bunch of different spaces. And sometimes successful people are hesitant to answer this question, especially because their success often comes in part because they're able to spin even the worst things into a positive. But what's something mm-hmm. you failed at? What's some what's something that you were like, sure, I'll I'll try this and it and it was not a fit?
0: <laughs> I that's that's been multiple things. Um and I'm okay with it like right away. Like when I'm like, um, This isn't for me. You know, (laughs) I remember I did this show. The first thing that just popped in my head is, um, the show stars earn stripes, which, um, they did on NBC and it was a great concept. It was like celebrities get with, you know, service men like Navy SEALs and things like that. And we compete. And then the, the money goes to charity. Right. So I was like, this is great. Uh, first day of the show, we have to like boot a suit and boot up in our army gear with, with, you know, guns and everything and then jump out of a helicopter into the water, right? And I was like, (laughs) this is not for me. Like, I think I just signed up for the wrong show. They don't tell you everything you're going to be doing. And I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm good not winning this one. I'm just going to go home. You know what I mean? Because I'm have, i trying to stay alive. I've got kids. I'm like, it's not this serious. Like, yes, I want to get to charity, but I'll get back another way, not with my life. So no, I'm just joking. Oh. But, yeah, that would be one of one of the things that just popped in mind. But there's so many things. I mean, I've got more no's than I've gotten yeses in terms of the things that I want to do, where whether you're, you know, say, behind-the-scenes thing, people don't realize you're pitching shows or pitching ideas, a project, and then nobody bites. And you're like, man, this is a great project. Like, you don't <laughs> see it. And they're like, oh, it's not the right timing for it, but then you might pitch it again a year or two later and they're ready for it. You know, so it's really about just not getting down on yourself because timing is everything. And, you know, like I said, everyone's not always going to see things the way that you do, but you still have to remain strong and kind of not put all your eggs in one basket. That's the thing for me. You know, it's like, I like to do multiple things and I don't like anyone to hold me back and tell me that I can't do something. So I usually find a way.
1: (laughs) All right, before I let you go, you have to do the one thing that every guest does and nobody expects. Didn't expect a kind of
0: Spanish Inquisition. (laughs)
1: Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. It's the Spanish Inquisition, the same questions that everybody gets. Number one, what's the natural talent you wish you were gifted with?
0: Natural talent? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Let's see. I wish that I could sing better than I can. You're all right. Like literally, like 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 like. Oh yeah, definitely. Like um, Whitney Houston. I'm talking about like really. Or Mariah Carey. Or Celine Dion. Like yeah, like that. (laughs) That's how I want to. Like man, in my next life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Number two. What's your desert island album? You can only have one.
0: Desert island.
1: Yeah. So you're stuck on a desert island for life. You can only bring one album.
0: Oh really? Um, (laughs) That's hard. I know. Um, One album. It probably would be a Michael Jackson album. Yeah. I can't tell you which one, because I'm not really a big album person. Yeah, especially now, we don't need to listen to albums. Yeah, it's just... Exactly. I'm like...
1: (laughs) Totally different. Uh, Number three, if you could switch lives with anyone for a day,
0: who would it be? Oh, gosh. Switch lives for anyone with a day? Probably... Probably Michelle Obama. Mm.
1: I'm about to go see her speak in, in, in a little bit with uh, Oprah here in Chicago. I'm excited about it.
0: Nice. Oh, that's going to be powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four, what's the most scared you've ever been?
0: Most scared I've ever been? Hmm. I'm going to tell you, the most scared I, I'll, I'll get is an earthquake. That They really scare the heck out of me. Mm. Like, yeah, like that, that moment, you kind of hear it before, it. you know, the sound that it makes. Mm-hmm. And then the shaking starts and you're just so out of control. You don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's something that I think about, too. Like, oh, God, I don't want to have earthquake. you know. So I I really am scared of them. The big one is, like, way delayed. I don't like any, yeah, I don't like any earthquake. But especially the ones that just, yeah, exactly. Like, you feel like, okay, we're going to get something soon. You know, you don't want to be negative, but (laughs) that's the thing. And I'm like, I just want to be with my kids if it happens. That's the thing. I want to be where they are. Uh, Number
1: five, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been?
0: The most embarrassed, something happened to me recently. What was it? I recently, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's something where I've been more embarrassed, but what's popping in my head is I was walking with my son into a furniture store. We just came up like a big, like all these steps, and I had a, like an iced coffee in my hand. And I walked in, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just tripped and fell and, like, bit it hard. Like, right in front of the store, people are staring at me. You know, they're like, I was like oh, there goes Le Lee. And all of a sudden, boom. And I tried to catch everything that I had in my hand, and it made it look even worse, you know. And I still ended up on the ground, and I just started laughing. And my son was scared. He's like, Mom, are you all right? Are you all right? Because I'm, like, down on the ground with my <laughs> elbows on the ground. I mean, I was down, and I was yeah. like, damn, I was like, that was a clumbiest looking thing. You would never think I was an athlete the way that I fell. So it was just horrible. Oh, man. <laughs> Pretty impressive. That happens to the best of us, though, even, even athletes. <laughs> but I mean, like that, though, I mean, I fell all the way down, like onto my elbows. Like, it, uh, it was bad. It was like, it was a slow motion.
1: <laughs> um, we kind of already did your biggest failure, unless you have one that isn't work related. Do you have anything you consider your biggest failure?
0: Hmm. It's really hard, um, to say, I mean, anything outside of, cause in life, you know, things, I believe everything happens for a reason and I just yeah. really focus on what I learn from each different, um, you know, lesson. Um, but I mean, you could say getting in trouble as a teen was a failure, you know? Right. Um, but it just, it's not something that I see as holding you back. It's just, um, something I see as, um, growth opportunity. What, what I'm most afraid, afraid of is to ever feel like I didn't try that. I should have, would have, could have like that regret. I don't like the idea of having regret. So I do have regrets. I'm not one of those that's like, no regrets. No, I do have <laughs> some regrets, but I try to avoid having regrets because if I yeah. feel like I put my all in and I tried then then, Hey, what may, may the chips fall where they may. So like I said, I'm, I'm literally always embracing what's next um, and being the best that I can be. And you know that's why it was so great to even be a part of this this sweepstakes. You know, ten or more years after I was on Dancing with the Stars, get yeah, a call sure. to do it. So it really made me feel really good to be that person. You know, when they look at everyone and say, "Who who would fit this?" You know, yeah. and that they chose me. So I think it was really cool. I love it.
1: Um, this might go to, with that number seven. What habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success?
0: Confidence, confidence, and um, consistency. I would say that, um, I'm very consistent. So it's like, if you're like, for example, if you say, when you think about the very beginning, just going to beauty school, being 15 and saying, I'm going to enroll myself and take the bus five days a week after school to beauty school, you know? And this is again, in my situation, most people wouldn't think as Muhammad Ali's daughter, you'd have been on public transportation, but it's like, if I can't get anyone to commit to take me and make sure I'm there and I'm on time, I'm gonna take myself. So I've always yeah. kind of had that attitude very young, but I had to be consistent to get those hours. Nobody was making me do it. I had to be consistent to go to the gym and train every night after school and work at 9 o'clock at night and, and become a champion, you know. So you have to definitely, in order to see any change or growth, whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to eat right, you can't just eat right for a week and think mm-hmm. that it's going to change your life. You know, you have to make it a lifestyle change. So for me, that is my lifestyle to just be the best that I could possibly be and just embrace the moments and kind of always look forward to what is next because there's always something next as long as you're alive, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, The next one's a good one. (laughs) Number eight, have you ever been in a fist fight? And uh, boxing, training, and matches do not count.
0: (laughs) Um, Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Usually defending. Usually defending. I was a good bully. In school, I used to call it, because if somebody was messing with someone that, you know, taking advantage, I would kind of step in. And that's how I got in trouble a lot, just kind of being that person. I see a boy picking on a smaller boy. I walk up, you'd be like, what's up? Pick on someone your own size and kind of give a shove. And, you know, we're taught to not do that and not be violent and all those things. But if I saw someone... You know, picking on someone, I was not afraid to jump in and step in. And that's why I said I knew before I got in the ring that I was willing to take a punch. Because when yeah. you do that type of thing, you do end up sometimes getting punched. And it's happened.
1: <laughs> I had a feeling that would be the answer to that one. Uh, yeah. Last two, uh, number nine. What's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve?
0: Um, I'd like to be more willing to make new friends. Hmm. I'm I'm kind of, um, you know, I, I have this wall that I'll put up sometimes. I mean, just growing up, my dad's daughter and having people trying to be your friend for so many different reasons, um, you know, like if I detect anything that seems a little shady or funny, like I'm quick to be like, Do oh, you get the wall, you know, so sometimes, right. you know, Every time you can misjudge people. So I'm just, I'm kind of one of those people that I'm really comfortable with my circle and the people who know me as Layla, not as Layla on The Host of OWN or Layla the Boxer or Layla on Chopped or Layla, any of that, Dance with the Stars, just regular Layla. And it's sometimes it's hard to, you know, find people to see you that way when they, they know you from so many other things. So just trying to be more open to new yeah, relationships. absolutely.
1: No new friends, right? You got to push past that. <laughs> and, and,
0: you know, it's like what I call a friend. You know, of course right. I have acquaintances. I'm, I'm not I'm nice to people, but I'm talking about really less totally. like, you know, yeah, I mean? it's, yeah, it's
1: tough when you're not sure what if they've got an ulterior motive, too.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: and finally, number 10, what three words would you most hope people would use to describe you? Authentic, loyal,
0: and kind.
1: Those are good ones. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. I love the idea of what's next. I think it's so important. So many people get a little bit older in life, realize they're down a path that they wish they hadn't chosen or that they aren't doing something that's fulfilling. And it's great to have people out there that can help them, you know, figure out how to make a change and find something more
0: rewarding. Exactly. I love how you summed that up. Thanks for yeah, having thanks, me Yeah, thanks, Layla.
1: On. Appreciate it. Oh, and another thing. This week's That's What She Read is a BleacherReport.com story by Mirren Fader, who is becoming one of my favorite new writers that I've been exposed to. And this story is a lengthy look at the WNBA's fight for higher pay and for more equity. And uh if you're interested in the WNBA opting out of their CBA and some of the reasons behind it, this is a really comprehensive look at it. I've seen a lot of people, especially on social media, that seem to be pretty misinformed about really what the fight's about and what the WNBA players are asking for. There were some sort of trollish accounts that in- intentionally uh, misappropriated quotes or took them out of context or tried to set them up to look like These women want NBA-type sums. They know that that's not realistic. That's not what they're asking for. Uh, Mainly, they're talking about the percentage of revenue that comes to the players in the WNBA versus the percentage in the NBA. NBA is about 50% of revenue. WNBA, 22%. Of course, you need more revenue in order to give players a higher percentage. Um, but you can't get more revenue unless you invest. And Mirren gets into that with the players on a pretty deep level that it's not as simple as just saying, which so many of us are now saying they deserve better. How do they, how do you get them better? And is that media coverage of the sport? You know, women's sports get just 4% of all sports media coverage. Is it investment via companies that can look and see that there are these incredible female role models that are perfect sponsorships or partners um that they could be that they could be making use of. Uh, and, and Neko Gumuke, who was the MVP back in 2016 for the Sparks, she's president of the WNBAPA executive committee and is just talking about how it's a business. They're the product and the investment in the product needs to be there for it to grow. Um, so it's it's more complicated than you might think, but it's also not Uh, just the women asking for something that's unrealistic. I'm also intrigued to find out the financials because we've often heard that the NBA cooks the books sometimes to make it look like they're losing money, even when they're not. I think there was a a really staggering number when the Cavs won the NBA championship and still claimed that they lost money. Um, And there's always been a little suspicion regarding the books. Um, So I'd, I'd be interested to see just how much investment's being made and how much is coming out of it. Uh, and that story is a great primer to give yourself as the WNBA starts that CBA fight for next season, the season after 2019. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said.